Have you ever wondered what it's like to work as an executive officer to a senior leader, also known as the boss's exec? If you have, then this is the episode for you. Welcome back to the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Blog Podcast. For this episode, we were able to pin down four very busy execs from across the center for a candid discussion about how they got their positions, what their day in and day out lives are like, and what they've been learning along the way. Two of the execs we spoke with are a husband and wife team who serve in different directorates. They certainly bring a unique perspective to the discussion. We hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you all for joining us today for the Leadership Blog, which is the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center's podcast on topics of interest to the LCMC community. And today we've got a group of executive officers to talk to us about what is it like, what is life like as an executive officer um, in the United States Air Force and in the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center in particular. So we're joined by uh, four uh, outstanding young officers, and we're going to go around and meet each one of them and, and allow them to introduce themselves. So, Captain uh, Goolsby, you can start. Hi, my name is Captain Allison Goolsby. I am the exec for the Presidential and Executive Airlift Directorate, um, serving as the executive officer for General Ryan Britton. I started as the exec in July of 2019. So I've done um, almost a year as an exec. Um, I've been in the Air Force for eight years. I am an acquisitions officer, so a 63A, but I've also served as an Air Force ROTC instructor at the University of Oklahoma. That was actually my previous assignment, so I was hired in to be an exec out of my ROTC assignment. Uh, so there's there's wonderful things that can happen in the exec world and, and making things happen. And we can get into that a little later on. Um, but my, uh, I commissioned out of ROTC at Oregon State, um, was an acquisitions officer in Colorado, met my husband, which he'll be talking a little bit later on. Uh, and we've just had a, a fun career. We've got two boys, so we're raising teenagers. And we've both been serving as, as execs at the same time. So it's definitely possible. <laughs> okay. And speaking of your husband, uh, Captain Paul Goolsby, then. Hey, thank you. Um, so I'm Captain Paul Goolsby, like my wife mentioned. And um, I've been the executive officer for General John Newberry, who is um, for about a year now. Again, we started at the same time. He's been the executive officer for, or the program executive officer for uh, Tanker Directorate uh, for another couple of days. And then he's taken over the Bomber Directorate, which um, because there's a, a gap. And when my replacement's here, I'll, I'll be kind of the temporary uh, Bomber Executive Officer for uh, a month or, or so before I move on to my next job. Now, I've been in the Air Force for 16 years now. Um, I joined in uh, July of 2001, started off in aircraft maintenance, uh, worked uh, on the B-1 bomber and the KC-135 as a jet engine mechanic before I did the SOAR program, that's the scholarships for outstanding airmen to ROTC. So I have a three-year break in service where I attended uh, Louisiana Tech University, got my undergrad, and then uh, they made me acquisitions officer, sent me to Peterson, 
Uh, again, that's where I'm, I went. My, met my wife, uh, Allison, there. After our tour, Peterson did a uh, career broadening as a recruiting flight commander in Oklahoma. And then, just like my wife, got hired directly into the executive officer role here at Wright Pad. And uh, yeah, two times uh, there'll be one turns 14 in uh, two weeks, and the other's 15 and a half. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll make our way to Captain uh, Camille Thompson. Hi, I'm Camille Thompson. I'm currently serving as the executive officer for Mr. Stephen Wirt, and that's AFLCMC HB PEO Digital. Um, so I'm also coming up on my year. I started last July, so I'll be rotating out soon. Uh, but prior to that, I graduated Air Force Academy in 2014. And then from there, I was also a maintenance officer. So I was uh, in a spec at a spec op space at Herbert Field, Florida. Um, so there I circled a couple AMUs and worked on the AC-130s, MC-130s, CB-22s, and also got to deploy to Afghanistan with the AC-130s and the spec ops units, which was an amazing experience. Um, and then after that, I switched to acquisitions, which was a culture shock. <laughs> um, but I've adjusted well. Um, so I've been in acquisitions uh, for three years now. Um, and then I transferred to Mr. Ware as the executive officer. Um, but after that, I plan to go to uh, Kessel Run and work in a software company. Um, so I've been in the Air Force for about six years now, coming up. So it's been a wild ride, but a great career, and I've loved every single assignment that I've had so far. Sounds great. Good. All right. Kessel Run, that sounds interesting, too. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. All right. And we'll uh, go on to Captain Chelsea Stout. Hey, how are y'all doing? So Chelsea Stout, I've been in the Air Force for about years now. Uh, full acquisitions all the way. No, no uh, trips out to any other career fields like these guys. I've been doing pretty much full time. Air launch cruise missile B two. Uh, got to go spend the last couple of years with B twenty one program. So I really enjoyed that. Then I got plucked out of the my, my basement uh, up into the example. It was a very uh, interesting and a good time and a good challenge getting at all that. Um, married, my husband's a contractor, he's active as well. We have a two-year-old, so I always like to say that makes it interesting hobbies I would have ever had anyway. Two-year-old, uh, but it's been a pretty good time and I'm happy to be here to talk to you. Okay, your, your audio cut out just a little bit there, so how, how many years have you been in the Air Force? Uh, eight. Eight years, okay, all right. Uh, so we'll go around to, uh, so we, we were kind of talking about this and uh, I go, a few years back, I, I met somebody and they told me that being, being an executive officer was like a penance for young officers, okay? Which I don't think is exactly right because penance is normally something that you do to atone for a sin. And I can't imagine that any of you guys have done anything so <laughs> that would have warranted this sort of penance. So. So my thinking is that it's more, it's either a rite of passage, okay? So as you advance in your career, it's just kind of a milestone that you need to do on a leadership track, or it's just a giant mentoring session that you do for like um, two years at a time. So, so I don't know, it, am I right with that? Is it, is it a mentoring session? Is it a rite of passage? Um, who wants to take that first? Hey, this is Paul. I'll start off. 
Actually, I, it's funny that you mentioned that. I think it's kind of both. <laughs> um, it's something that, you know, as a young officer, if you can become a executive officer for, uh, you know, especially like a one-star general or something, um, that in itself is getting selected for that is an accomplishment. Um, and, and that's when it's on your records like that, people see that, hey, a GO signed off on me, you know, and, and because you go mm -hmm. through, they review your records, you go through an interview, and then they just have to hire you, you know, and then and you have to survive uh, more or less. But you're also right in saying that it's just a year long mentoring session. Uh, and that's just, you know, you name it. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, what have I learned? Well, I don't, I could come up with a hundred things I've learned, but, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a continuous mentorship. Um, but yeah, it's funny that you mentioned it. It's, it's kind of both for me. Okay. Um, so I also agree with Paul and it's both, um, in regards to mentoring, I remember for my interview, Mr. Word basically asked like, why do you want to be an exec? And I referred to one of my podcasts. Um, and I think it was, it was a Tim Ferriss podcast and he said, there's nothing better than being a fly on the wall, listening to two senior level leaders talk and the discussions they have, and then being able to watch the decisions your leader makes, how he makes them and how he can just be so direct and have conviction in what he's doing, which I think is important. Um, and it's also important for you to see that level of decision making as well. Um, so like I've learned tons of things, but it's just great being able to be a fly on the wall, not really having to partake, but be fully in listening mode the entire time. Any, anybody else? Okay, well then, um, so let's talk about things that you have learned, all right? Um, so I know one of the things that kind of always amazes me about senior leaders when you is the amount of time that they work. Okay. Um, I used to think that, you know, you get to be the boss so that you don't have to work as much. But when you look at senior leaders in their calendars, it's like chock full of stuff nonstop all day long. So it, it would have seemed like, you know, time management is, is a huge challenge for them. So what have you learned in regards to just time management as far as ways that, that you can um, arrange yourself throughout the day to take care of all the things that you need? Uh, I can take this one. Okay. For, um, for this past year, it's looking at, well, what's the highest priority items? What are the things that need to happen first? Who are the most important people that mm -hmm. General Britton or any of the PEOs need to talk to. So if it's somebody higher than them, obviously that needs to take priority over somebody maybe at a division level. If it's somebody coming from SAP AQ or if it's somebody coming for us from the, the White House military office, those folks are going to take precedence. Um, so it's really prioritizing um, the, the people, the meetings, and then making sure there is time in between to really kind of digest what just happened. And then you kind of figure out, well, if we're gonna to talk to this person, you better schedule it for an hour, not just a half hour. So you start mm -hmm. to get a feel for what are these meetings actually going to be? And you can better prioritize and prepare your boss so that his schedule isn't so crazy. But you start to learn, you kind of pick up on those little you know, tips and tricks 
as you go through it. It's not something that you might know in the beginning, uh, especially if it's a brand new PEO with a brand new exec. You both are trying to learn each other and you're trying to learn who each other are and what's most important. So it's a learning process as you go along, but it can be, it can be pretty crazy, but you know what, you start to know what needs to, needs to take the, the head honcho. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll call on that as well. It's, it, it is that, it's that prioritizing. I think it makes, it, it becomes pretty clear what, what help you can be as an exec, right? Like, oh, that is why. Oh my blood of, of input that is coming in from all the you uh, really put yourself in their shoes. So, yeah, they're not gonna have time for this. How can I put it in a way that really uh, product for them to process? that and I think that's that's what's so impressive I think working for senior leaders is the amount of they can just understand that's certainly the skill and, and what I think is pretty successful um, but yeah it's it's not just the taking the time for the other smaller things that may not be too but you know you need to make for and that's what you can help with as an example why I need to clear things away hey you need to take time you know no I need to make time to stay late for as the people right so things like that and i can fit in there and back with that so keeping it a time kind of uh theme uh, i've known some leaders that were like super detailed in their in their calendars you know they they um they scheduled time that they were going to write emails to people or they scheduled time that they were going to do pt or they schedule time for lunch or, you know, so that every, every little thing that they were going to do throughout the day was managed on their calendar so that they would make sure that they would actually do it. So have the people you worked for been that detailed or have they been a little less, a little more fluid with their calendars or? Um, I guess hey, this, go, ahead. go ahead, Camille, yeah, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, so my boss is pretty self-sufficient. Uh, the only block that he has scheduled is his lunch. Um, he basically leaves it up to me and the assistant to run his schedule. He's basically like, I'll do whatever you guys tell me to do. I trust you to put whatever's the highest priority on there at the top and know how much time to schedule and allocate. Uh, but outside of that, he just leaves it up to us to what we think that he needs to get done that day. Yeah, and for my boss, um, similar, uh, we don't, he doesn't block off lunch. He doesn't block off anything. Uh, the whole day is open game. Um, but as, you know, myself and the executive assistant uh, that manages calendar, we make sure to take care of him as well. Because I think that's a big part of it is the senior leaders, um, they'll go, go, go. They have been, but I make sure, okay, if he's got to travel, let's make sure he got he has plenty of time for that. If uh, if meetings are in the middle of the day, let me make sure I give him time to eat either early or late. Uh, but it is kind of dependent on the style and, and of that that person you're working for, and um, they they do work long hours and they fit in an inordinate amount of out of uh, of meetings and activities every single day. And uh, no, it's very impressive to sit there and watch. So, um, so let me ask, 
has there been a moment when you felt overwhelmed in the position? Um, you know, maybe there were a lot of taskings or there was just a lot that you had to get done. Uh, maybe something had fallen through the cracks or needed to like last minute attention. And so did you get to that point where you felt like I'm going to let the boss down? And then what did you do to get through that situation? And I'll throw that out. <laughs> Who wants to jump up and take that one? I'll I'll go uh, if everyone else is thinking. Uh, okay. Very quickly, this right here is my notepad. Um, okay. The entire book is filled with my to-do list. Some days you add way more things than you cross off. Mm -hmm. uh, but it helps me keep track of things and prioritize things, so nothing does fall through the cracks. And uh, me personally, when chaos happens. I make a list and just start knocking off most important uh, things to do. And, and I just start going down the list. Uh, and you just have to be willing to, to know that there's going to be some days where you have to work the long hours. So your spouse or, you know, the, if you have kids, like they just, they have to understand that this is a, it's a temporary job. Usually it's a year, maybe a little bit more than a year. And you just have to, you just have to make it work. And if you have situations to where uh, you do have maybe another spouse that's also working, or you've got to pick up your kids, then you just really have to be, you have to be honest with your boss. Um, and sometimes you've just got to be honest with your spouse then. That if something needs to be done, if something needs to get done, you gotta just stay and do it. Mm -hmm. And so having that open line of communication and knowing that this is temporary, it's not always going to be like this. You're not always going to have to be working until seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Hopefully. Um, I guess I'll speak 100% honestly. When I first got in the role, I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> um, I felt a little confused and overwhelmed at first, but then I quickly realized that we had a great team around us. And it's not all up to you to figure everything out. Um, you have those team members for a purpose and it's okay to um, ask for help and reach out when things do begin to pile up. Um, so I was able to quickly figure out like who to ask when I did have a question um, and then how to go about those things as well. Um, so I will say like there has been moments where I've been overwhelmed, but I luckily haven't dropped the ball because I've had a great team around me to help uh, prevent that from happening as well. So one of the questions I think that was on the email was um, like, how did you get into the job? Was it something that was recommended for you um, that somebody told you to interview for or did, was it put out as an announcement? So how did you get the exact job? You should go first. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer. I can go first. So uh, I know where this is going. It's a yes. good thing when this is not going live. <laughs> this could go live. <laughs> um, so sometimes um, the exec jobs are posted uh, through emails, and um, so an, an email was posted looking for an exec for the the presidential and executive airlift directorate. And a former boss of mine, while I was an instructor at, at Oklahoma University, he forwarded 
the announcement to me and Paul and said, hey, I know you guys are trying to get to Wright-Patterson. Here's an opportunity if you want to apply for an exec job. And I said, I don't want to apply. That doesn't sound like something interesting for me. Uh, and he was like, I already have my package ready to go. Like, I'm applying for this. You should too, just so we can get to Wright-Patterson. So I applied and we both interviewed and somebody got the, the job. <laughs> it's all about, it's all then... about our fit. Yeah. What you realize is even just to be considered is, uh, is really good. But if it's whoever the boss or whoever that person, like they just jive with the most. And honestly, I think it worked out great. <laughs> yeah. I think I would second what Allison said. Um, I said, hey, would you like to be the exec? You know, there's an opening up at Fighter Bomber. And I was like, that's okay. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm happy I'm down here. I love my job. I'm loving it. I'm good to go. Um, and I did. My boss said, you know what? It's time for you. It is the right fit for you. It is the right, like, this is what you need, whether you know it or not. You know, eat your vegetables, your chores, right? This is, this is your time to do that. So I interviewed. I got to know the team. Um, got to know the job. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take Right, uh, that you're given, and yep, it's probably my time to do it. I never thought I'd be an exec; it didn't particularly interest me, um, but I've enjoyed it. It was it was the right call, it was the right fit for me, and and definitely um, with my boss, it was a personality fit. There some other great candidates, and it it, it came down personality. Down to we were going to be able to jive and and work together. Um, so it's been a good call, but yeah, I, I think I joked with it that. I, Oh, no, I'm not sure about people that, that go hunting for, for exec jobs. You know, I don't know. Guys. <laughs> with my joke in the interview, and I, I think that uh, I think it's stuck with them. <laughs> so, what advice would you guys have for someone if they talk to you, if they asked you uh, about applying to be an exec? Would you? recommend it what would you tell them to do or how to prepare sorry you're cutting to take that. captain thompson yeah, yeah. You're cutting out. oh i'm sorry just a bit um so my um feedback to that just be willing to work be willing to put in those hours and be willing to uh sometimes put your boss's needs over your own um, so you just have to be open to working long hours and just be open to like learning new things and stuff. Um, but that's like my only advice is just be willing to just be willing to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of talking about this a minute ago with uh, when Allison was talking about how she got into her job is if if being an exec is something that you desire to do or if someone recommends you to do it. Um, then I mean definitely go for it but you have to understand as uh, you know you're only going to get picked if the the person who's hiring you you know the boss uh, if you jive with their personality and um, they're they might have to hire someone that is uh, will help offset them or or just go straight along with them so it's really it's really on what they want you can be like the best out there but if you are not what they are looking for, uh, you know, on a personality or uh, work habits or just any type of that, then uh, it may not work out, but um, they probably won't hire you if you, you know, if they know that. 
but that's why you get hired. And just to be considered, you're already, you know, doing a great job. But uh, so I would say if, if someone wants to do this job and they've applied or uh, put their name in the hat a few times and didn't get it, uh, maybe it was for the best, you know, maybe, maybe your personality wouldn't go with the, the bosses and uh, maybe it's a good thing that you didn't get hired. And if you want to do it, just keep throwing your name in the hat and you'll find somebody that uh, syncs with you mm -hmm. and you'll, and you'll go from there. Yeah. I think I'd add to that. When you go in, you know, something you're considering interviewing you, but you're interviewing them as well. Some of the best advice I got was, you know, you're going to have to work with them. What do they expect out of you? I'd like to even, you know, I mean, what do you, what do you see and, and what that, want to travel with them? If you want to sit in meetings, that leader is willing to let you be that fly on the wall if that's the experience you want. Just, um, but take that opportunity. I, they'll respect you for it. Questions, but um, especially if you're on the center, I think it'll help you grab that jive and that, uh, that personality fit. Okay. All right. Uh, so let me ask, and uh, we talked about kind of the, the thing that you have learned about managing time. Um, I want to talk about what you've learned from these leaders about the way that they interact with subordinates. Okay. So sometimes you, you see the way that some leaders, um, I worked for a general one time that no matter who he was talking to, he always he had the ability to make that person feel like they were the most important person in the world, you know, and he would give like his full attention to them. And it was just the way he engaged and how charismatic he was. It was just, it was just great, you know? Um, and so you, you could tell that that was something that he, he wanted to ensure that when he was meeting with somebody that they, they understood that, that they had his attention. Um, and other leaders I've worked with uh, were really great at giving negative feedback to people. So, you know, sometimes people come in, there's something wrong with the program. They need to be told that they've gone the wrong direction. You know, how do you do that without necessarily killing somebody in the process of doing it? So, uh, so what have you guys picked up? You've worked with these, these are successful leaders that have all gotten to these positions. Um, what have you picked up in terms of how they address uh, other people? So I can start with this one. So um, my boss has a very lighthearted, charismatic attitude, and he doesn't like to sit in his office that often. So he definitely gets around and he definitely jokes around a lot with people because that's just, that's his way of showing that um, he's, he's there for people and he wants people to feel comfortable in their workplace. He doesn't see work as just a, you come, you sit down, and you sit on your computer. He wants people to interact. It was actually very hard during these last couple of months, during this whole thing, because uh, even though General Britton and I, we were still in the office, it was hard for him because there was nobody around. And that's how he knows like his program is, is doing well with just talking to people face to face. Um, so that was tough. And, and he does travel a lot because he likes to get to his other divisions 
and and he likes to get out to see the contractors and see all the the folks that are working on these different programs because he wants to recognize people for what they do um, to make them feel special to joke with them um, to just know that everything that they do has a special place in this program so that's how he's always he's done this whole thing i think it's really his whole life that's just how the the type of uh in general the type of leader he is anybody else yeah if the other two don't have anything i'll pipe in because um what allison and i experienced was um our bosses were the complete opposites of each other <laughs> um, which made for great conversation um, both are extremely effective at what they do but you know yes uh general newberry traveled and saw his people and things but he was not the type um, that would just go out and, and you know joke around with everyone um, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't effective uh, in taking right. care of his people um, like i said you don't have to have a a certain one particular personality to be successful as a leader you really have to own who you are and who you know and just perfect that um, there were other ways that in the meetings his tone his questions um, when he communicated with others uh, it was a, a sincere uh, conversation where uh, his calm demeanor really uh, you know let everybody it's going to be okay yes everyone's freaking out but we're going to diagnose the problem we're going to figure this out so uh yeah two completely different personalities both very effective and and what they do and it was very interesting and i think fortunate for us to go through this experience at the same time and um, you know what what would go down in uh, her pro or her directorate um, and if we had the certain, you know, a similar thing, uh, the response may be completely different, but at the end result, um, may have been the same. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting to see how multiple personalities and styles can both be successful. Yeah, I think it's an important thing that you said that, you know, a, a good leader knows themselves and they know how to capitalize on what they do well and and to mitigate the things that they don't do as well uh captain thompson what's your what's been your experience um so i'll say mine is similar to paul's so mr Wirt, he's he's pretty quiet but once he opens up and you get to know him and he starts talking he has he's hilarious but a lot of people don't know that because he does come off as very quiet but he is probably one of the most efficient people that i've met i still don't know how he gets everything done i will send him something and he'll send it back right away um and he rarely has a backlog because i think he's extremely efficient with his time so he doesn't spend a lot of time um, out of the office uh, speaking to people but he does make time in a schedule to do walk arounds uh, to make sure he interacts with people to make sure he's there um, but there's also a time and place for that um, but overall like getting to know him has been great and he's really funny but a lot of people don't see that side of him as well um, but i also appreciate how he's even keeled with 
everybody in meetings like things can be chaotic and crazy but he still has like the same calm demeanor no matter if he's giving positive feedback negative feedback it's just even kill so i appreciate that mm -hmm. um, about him as well kevin stone yeah i think i've got somewhere something in the middle probably um collins is a self-engineering uh, brain um so so definitely appreciates that kind of big um we've talked a lot about how home and this COVID situation has been really types and I think for active but in a ton of levity loves to laugh loves to come talk out with um you know preaches a lot about family and having a good workplace you know have a good time it's been a really one of his mantras and um while he is an introvert he does a lot to out of that shell and talk to a lot of people and, and, and have those good relationships with the industry. You know, all all of those important, but kind of like you said, with your personality type, I think he's pretty good at that. He realized like, he's got a, an extrovert side and, and come that pretty well. So um, I, I want to let's kind of work towards a, a close here. Um, so looking back do you think that this experience has helped you to prepare to become an executive yourself as a leader in a in a large organization is that your career goal to go on and become an executive or you know a senior leader um and if so do you think that this this position has really kind of helped you mature in that way So I can start. Um, something that we haven't really discussed, but I think it's really important to point out is the fact that this position as the execs for directorates has really shown from a career standpoint what is like what needs to happen with promotion boards and all the whole process, um, IDE, SDE, kind of seeing a little bit behind the scenes and how all of that works and some things that maybe need to be on our records as we're going through and how do we get to that next level if we want to be um, considered for those positions considered to be a material leader to line us up to be a senior material leader or peo one day we get we got that behind the curtain look at what that takes and those processes and really it helps us as individuals prepare our own records that we can set ourselves up for success and and position ourselves to be ready to be considered you know later on for for other opportunities so i think that has been a huge benefit for this exec job not just seeing the senior leaders and how they work but just seeing all the behind the scenes stuff that really that's what that's what gets you to where you need to be right yeah i'll second that that's when people ask me kind of huge learning curve i mean that that is um, if you are out there and don't want to be an example but you have military personnel questions go back all the details and the and, and what has to happen just kind of understanding you know people always ask they're out and this comes after this um you need somebody who's kind of been in allison that that was a huge learning experience and also piggyback on that, I think one of the most valuable things that I also have learned is 
the what the school leaders are looking at when they look in your records. So you're able to specifically know like you need this on your record, you need that. He doesn't look at this, but he cares about that. He's having like, that kind of background knowledge of what he's looking at to make sure that's in your folder um, when you do decide to go to those boards or be considered for special opportunities. Um, so I think that's invaluable that I probably wouldn't have got that experience if I hadn't been an executive officer. Yeah, and I'll close by putting a slightly different spin on it. And there's two really, two big things that stick out to me in addition to what they've already said, which I completely agree with. And that's um, gaining perspective and confidence in this position. Uh, perspective as in at the directorate level across the entire portfolio, you've been able to see what's going on and if you were just a, you know, a captain running a project uh, in one of the divisions, I've talked to many of them. I would say most don't have an idea about what goes on at even at the top of the division, much less the top of the directorate. And then also perspective into above the directorate when you get into SAFAQ and LCMC and the MAGCOMs, uh, you just aren't exposed to that. And so it's invaluable. And when you can connect the dots uh, all the way up from small projects to the very big picture at the very top, then it helps you understand and motivate you um, to get your work done and accomplished even better. And second part of that is confidence. As, as the exec, I think it is one of my jobs to try to look ahead and help out Joe Newberry as much as possible, um, whether that be type up things in advance for him, prepare documents in advance for him, um, reviewing all the military personnel types of things. And when you go from at the very beginning while you're learning each other's style, you're gonna go through, you'll hand something to him, it'll come back completely different. But over time, when you start handing him things or your boss things, um, whatever they may be, and they just come back with concur, concur, send it, go for it. Like that gives you the confidence, not only that have you learned that style and personality of what he likes, but you're talking about you've learned what it, what thought process and the decision-making process of a general officer. And you now understand what questions they're going to ask, what information they need to make decisions. And you can do that all by yourself. And now because you're kind of, doing things you know behind the scenes for them you just get that concurrence and when you get it right over and over and over again you're like wow i i think i do i i think i have learned kind of what it takes at least from this individual's perspective mm -hmm. uh, what we have to get accomplished on a day in and day out basis and it's uh it's huge yeah bingo i mill personnel hole which is one of the more eye-opening yeah, the, the corporate Air Force acquisition officer, specifically for all of us and for PEOs, the corporate process, what makes them work, gets in the way of them, all of that perspective, and then exactly down to that captain, down to whoever you are in that program office and, and working, you know, it's impossible to kind of steer the ship, right? It's a big effort, position is, and I think, yeah, that perspective, right? the messaging, you know, how things work and how messaging Yeah, outstanding perspective. Certainly the other the other side of
All right. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you think would be important uh, for, for our listeners to hear? I do. I, I have one final thought, and um, we kind of touched around this a little bit, but your experience as an exec will be 100% reliant upon the boss you have. Um, you've heard great stories. You've heard horror stories. Um, and I would just say, like Chelsea mentioned earlier, when you go in for that interview and they're interviewing you, you need to be thinking of interviewing them as well because you're signing up for something that you're going to have to live with and your family's going to have to endure for the next year or so. Uh, and your experience will definitely uh, depend on the type of uh, boss you have. So um, I, I felt like I've been extremely you know, lucky and blessed. And um, I feel like when the senior leader, regardless of rank, treats you with a lot of respect as an officer, but more importantly, as a person, it is so much easier to uh, work harder for them than right. it would be if they didn't uh, respect you more as a person, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think All I'd right. add out to the execs asking questions, right? Wherever mm -hmm. you are, I feel like plenty of time being a so <laughs> you have process who to talk to, right? We're at least uh, it's a well all day long. So uh, I, don't, I would say don't ever back to your division, whoever it is, reach out, um, learn about being exactly. All right. Well, hey, uh, again, I really appreciate you all sitting down and joining us today, uh, discussing these topics. I think this is a uh, this is great stuff to share with uh, with your peers and and our colleagues and even even civilians to help understand a little bit more of what you guys are going through. Um, so so again, I, I really appreciate your time today and uh, um, and thanks and have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Blog Podcast. Hopefully you have a better appreciation for and understanding of the senior leader executive officer's role and how they serve the center and the Air Force missions. If you haven't already done so, then please consider subscribing to this series and don't forget to follow and like us on our social media platforms. You can also see a video version of this and all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. For more information on all things AFL-CMC related, Please visit and bookmark our website at www.aflcmc.af.mil. If you have an idea for a future episode on a topic that would interest the Lifecycle Management Center family, shoot us an email at aflcmc.pa.mediateam at us.af.mil. Until next time, stay strong, stay safe, and keep providing what warfighters need when they need it.